Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I'm honored to have Victoria Schrader with me. And as we talk about her story, uh, she's the executive director over at Long Hope's Donkey Shelter, and she has been a part of it for a very long time, but it's going to be fascinating to hear a little bit about what their mission is and just the impact uh, that donkeys can have. So Victoria, thanks so much for being on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. You bet. So to start off, um, you attended school out in Colorado. So talk a little bit about, you know, the university you picked and what you studied um, and some of your volunteer activities while you're out there. So I actually went to school. uh, I went to CSU Pueblo and that's where I used to live. And I went to school. I got a degree in biology and chemistry and I've always wanted to work with animals. Um, And so I got a little bit of um, an emphasis in wildlife preservation and just learning a little bit more about animals. I knew that I wanted to work with animals. I just didn't know in what capacity that was going to happen in the future, but I I just always loved animals. And so that's what my degree was in. I did get a a minor in leadership studies. I did that. Um, I just, I I, I love leading a a group of people to um, kind of, you know, hopefully get them uh, as passionate as I am about animal care and animal rights and things like that. So I did that as well. I loved living in Pueblo back in the day. It was a small town and it was just beautiful. Um, My volunteer work back then is a little bit different because I am an immigrant myself. And so I was very passionate about helping other immigrants. So I did lots of volunteering with that. I volunteered here at Centro de los Pobres, which is in Avondale, and I helped lots of Spanish-speaking immigrants um, try to understand uh, resources and how to reach to them. So I did a lot of that because I was an immigrant myself, and yeah. I I wish that I would have had those services when I came to the U.S. So I did that for for other people, um, and then as I you know I, I grew older, um, I moved to Denver. I graduated college and I came to Denver and, you know, you can ask me about that later, but um, I am back in school now um, and I am pursuing a master's in nonprofit management because I love what I do and I just really want to try and be the best asset I can for Long Hope. Absolutely. So to start off, I know you said I'm super passionate about animals. What was the introduction or where did the passion for animals come from in your journey? It's since I was a little girl, I grew up uh, in a farm and I've always been around animals, just chickens, mostly cattle, because that was the industry that some of my family was into. But from a very young age, I was the one that didn't want to eat them. And so I, since a little, little girl, I was like, these are our pets. These are our animals, our family. And yeah, since I was about three or four years old, I've just always wanted to, you know, protect them, I guess. I love it. Now, whenever someone has a passion, right, we hear it so frequently, 
follow your passion and it'll feel like you never worked a day in your life. And yet there are certain careers that people, I think oftentimes shoot down and are like, all right, I mean, is that really what you want to do? Like maybe think about doing this. So talk a little bit about, you know, people in your circle, as you mentioned, Hey, I want to pursue, you know, wildlife management or, you know, that, that type of a degree and just some of the uh, maybe feedback that either supported or uh, tried to push you in a, in a different direction. Sure. I think that's a, that's a great question. So uh, when I graduated with my, with my bachelor's, uh, which was biology and chemistry, I, you know, to be realistic, there weren't many jobs in a field that, that I was interested in. And so I had to pay school loans. So I got whatever I could. And yeah. so I worked, I had several jobs, um, just again, just trying to do the day to day, get that paycheck so I could pay my bills and I'll get to my dream at some point, you know, and that's how it was for a few years. Yeah. And I moved to Denver and I did, um, I worked for the county. I, I was a case manager for the county for a while, again, trying to, you know, do, do rewarding work, but at the same time, um, it, it didn't feel like a passion to me. I mm. always wanted to work with the animals. And yeah. so I'm a huge believer in volunteer work. I think that if you are financially stable and you have the time, I think it's extremely important to donate your time to an organization that's local to you that, um, has a mission that you believe in. And so when I found myself in that situation, I said, I'm going to volunteer. And I started looking for places and I found long hopes. And I said, that's it. <laughs> like that's, that's my place. And I came out here once. Uh, and I, I, I already knew. And, um, you know, it, it took me about two years uh, to make the change because I think you need to be realistic about realizing if you can actually do the work. You mm -hmm. may love it, but I think it's a disservice to tell the nonprofit, I I'm your guy, I I'm going to do it. And then you show up and six months in, you're like, whoa, this is a lot of work. I, I don't think I could do this. Yeah. Um, I think it's a disservice because it takes a lot of resources for nonprofits to train new uh, employees. And so I said, you know, I'm going to volunteer my time. I'm going to learn as much as I can. And I'm going to give it my all and see if I could actually help this nonprofit. You know, if I can't, I'm going to move on. But if I can make a difference, I'm, I'm going to do it. And so that's what I did. And that's why I volunteered for two years. I would have worked sooner, but <laughs> I, I, I wanted to be fair. And I wanted to be honest with myself and to the nonprofit. So I already knew that this is what I loved, mm. but you know, I had my job in the city, the cool stuff, right? Yeah. So the entire family's like, Oh, you're, you know, you're in the city. And here I come one day and say, I'm going to go and muck up manure. That's what I'm going to do with my life. And, you know, my parents, you know, both professionals, um, I think they were confused. I yeah. think they thought, me loving animals was a thing of the past when I was a little girl and, you know, who doesn't love animals? They're so cute. Um, and I was like, no, I've always wanted to do this. Like that never left, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think they weren't sure. Um, and I think they saw me as young enough to say, ah, she'll do it and then she'll move on, whatever. So I didn't get a lot of pushback there, but I did get a lot of doubts um, and I think it wasn't until I was here full time 
living here with the animals that people started to see my face and in mm. my posts and when they would come out here and I'm just like this is so awesome and 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 they started seeing um the 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 things that I would do I mean there's nothing I wouldn't do and yeah. so oh my gosh Victoria you were up all night holding a fluid bag for this donkey and I'm like yeah for three days I did that you know and <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, Victoria, you, you drove to Florida to pick up a donkey. Mm -hmm. I did. Yep. I did do that. And, um, it's, it, I work every day, but I love it so much, um, that it doesn't really, it doesn't feel like work. It's physical. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard on your body. It's hard on your mind. Your emotional health is so, it's so hard, but I, I love every minute of it. And I just, I could never see myself anywhere else and I mean I'd have you out here for a tour whenever you want to and you're you're gonna go home and you're gonna be like yeah that 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 woman loves loves what she does because I do so coming into it did you know much about donkeys when you picked it or was it just like hey it seems like a great you know environment and I will learn to love donkeys uh hopefully in the next six months before I really you know pursue this even more I've never met anybody that comes here for a one hour tour and leaves saying, I'm never doing that again. Like yeah. no, everybody that's been here, they fall in love with every single donkey, even the donkeys that they don't get to approach, they fall mm. in love with them. Yeah. So loving them is easy. They're, that is not hard to do. Um, learning that takes yeah. time, experience, you know, trial and error. So when I arrived, I didn't really do, I, I, I didn't really know much other than uh, what I learned in my volunteer years. So I read every book that I could get my hands on. I have an incredible supervisor. She is my mentor and she throws everything at me. Like you need to learn this. You need to learn that. You need, and I do it. I do everything she tells me because she, she knows, you know, yeah. so I want to know like she knows. Um, but loving them is, is the easiest thing I've ever done. Um, so that's not a question. And, and, and the experience, it comes with time. I still learn something every day, every day. Now, talking about that, um, so what? Let's see. Long Hopes had been around probably, what, 18, 19 years before you joined in, right? Around that time frame. Yeah, so we've been open for 24 years this year. So, yes. Okay, so around that. Um, 18, 18, something like yeah, that. Yeah, about 18 years. So, just kind of thinking about that, how many donkeys do you guys take care of today? And how many did you take care of when you first got started with them? You know, things have changed. Uh, today in-house, we have 55 donkeys. Um, when I started, it was around that that amount of donkeys as well. Um, we did have a few years there, like 2019, 20, uh, where we had a very high census about gosh, I think we got in the high 60s. So maybe like 65, maybe 68. And it fluctuates every year. And it also fluctuates on, it depends on the needs of the organization. So and it depends on our staff and our funding and our resources so right. that we will never take more donkeys than what we could properly take care of. So we won't lower our um, quality of care 
to serve more. We won't do that. If we cannot, we have them on a waiting list. We have emergency sources. We can do that until we can get them in. Um, but yeah, so it just fluctuates. We're at 55 right now, which is still quite a bit, especially with the heat. Um, but yeah, it just depends. So it, I've, I've taken care of a lot. I've taken care of little, all the numbers in between. Yeah. Now, something that you just mentioned a couple minutes ago was that there really are no days off, right? It's not like a uh, retail store where you just, you know, say, hey, we're not coming in for the day uh, because of a snowstorm or because it's Christmas. Uh, I don't think I want to, uh, you know, do my job today. Well, no, these are, you know, living beings, right? That need uh, uh, the, all the same things regardless of the day. So someone listening is saying, I can't believe she works seven days a week and doesn't get burnt out. I work four days a week or I work five days a week and I feel just completely exhausted and I need those two days to recharge. So talk a little bit about, you know, keeping mental health, even, you know, while doing something you're passionate about, but something that's one, physically exhausting, but two, uh, you're on all the time. Yes. So I do get days off, um, but I'm on the property. So if I get, I'm on call 24 seven, I guess that's a better way of saying it. So I'm on call 24 seven, but I do, you know, I have my days, um, they start pretty early, but, um, I probably work 12 hour days or something like that. Um, in the office about eight hours, but outside of the office is the extra. And then I do have my days off, but like I said, I'm on call. So if something happens, I have to come out, Um, you know, just always taking care of the animals because yes, you can't just push a button and say, (laughs) okay, see you Monday. Like, no, it's just, it happens throughout the weekend at night, the whole time. I think the best thing, and, 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 you know, it wasn't perfect when I first started. I think yeah. that's it's difficult to manage your time. I've always mm-hmm. loved it. But if you don't, you have to be, again, realistic. If you don't manage your time properly, you are going to burn out in the first 24 hours of the job because it's so demanding. Yeah. So um, I do a lot of self-care. I do make sure that I take time for myself. I think that's extremely important. Do things that I enjoy outside of work. That's also very important. I can't stress enough how important mental health is um, when it comes to caring for animals. Because when, at least here, when we bring in a donkey, we are responsible for that animal from the moment they arrive until their last day on this earth. Okay. And so there's a lot in there because donkeys can live up to 50 years. And so there's good times, there's going to be bad times. And throughout you have, you're the rock for that donkey right there. So you can't lose yourself. You can't say, Oh, I can't handle this. I got to go. Like you have to handle it. Cause that's, that's, that's your responsibility. Um, and you've taken, we've taken that animal in. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, it's, it's, it's not for everybody. I have seen plenty of people come and, 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 and love the animals because they do, they do love them, but, the the demands of of the job are just too great and i've seen them just kind of say i can't do this um what i can say is um i i i i am not just passionate about it but i love it so much that i've dedicated all of my time to it yeah and or at least the time that i that i have when i do my other stuff you know but um you know, when I, when I think about that question and I, you know, people that visit here, they ask that too. And I say, we have, you have to think about 
a really bad week, okay? You have to think about, let's say, this past winter that we had that was just awful for everybody, but it was a really bad winter. So you are out here an entire week, let's say like your five days, your five days that you're working, and it's cloudy, it's cold, it's like five degrees out there, freezing. The animals are all cold and they're like, oh, I hate this weather. So you have to be taking care of them so that they're warm, they're dry, they're fed. And then let's say that you have an emergency and you lose one of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you go home and you, you feel bad and you cry, you know, you kind of do whatever you need to do, but guess what? The next day you have to come out again. Yeah. Because you got, you got 54 over here that are still, okay. That they need you. So you have to come out and you got to give it another, maybe not a hundred percent, but you got to give it like 95%. Okay. (laughs) And you do that. And then uh, you go home. At least I live on the property. So this would be me. I go home and then the next day, let's say is my day off, but we have a blizzard. Well, guess what, Victoria? You're going back out there. Okay, I'll go back out there. And then you clean, you do everything. You go home, relax. Okay. And then the next day you have to go back out because there's another blizzard or something else. And so some days you go through seven, eight, 10 days without a break. And if you don't love it, it's going to be really hard to go out there when you're needed after all of that happened. So I understand that some people choose to not work in their passion because once you do, you don't have time for anything else. But, um, but I am, I work for my passion, but I also make time for everything else because that's also important to me. And so how do I do it? I mean, I, I just, I love it so much that I couldn't not do it. I, I just couldn't. Yeah. Well, and something I want to highlight and someone listening right now is, you know, contemplating making a pivot, right? They're in a job or they're doing something that they don't actually love, but it's like, well, you know, it pays the bills or it's sufficient enough. And what I want them to hear in your story is um, one, you didn't just quit a job and then jump into something without knowing what you're getting yourself into. You volunteered, but that's a big testament to you, right? Because I think a lot of people, it's like, well, I want the immediate gratification, or if I'm going to do that, I want to have a benefit of it. And there was a chance that after two or three months, like you would just walk away having spent time volunteering and nothing else would have come from it. Um, but then second was when you got started, you said, I still had so much to learn. Even after I had done this, I read books, right? I really became a student of the topic. I didn't just say, ah, eh, I'll learn it as I go. You really dove in and became a master in what you're doing. So I guess maybe some encouragement for someone that's you know, listening, saying, gosh, I'm, I'm thinking about making this shift, but I'm just not sure if I should, or I'm thinking about just completely, you know, cutting this piece off and just diving into it head first. Um, that's, that's a great question. So I, I, I see so many people that they reach out to me. I mean, they reach out to me on social media or yeah. they apply for a job and they say, Oh my gosh, Victoria, I want, I hate my job. I want to quit and, and I want to help you. Yeah. I'm like, that's great. Like, it's amazing because that's the type of passion that you need to have or, or, or the type of, um, maybe I'm not coming up with a word, but it, you you want to want to do this. You know, yeah. it takes a lot of courage and energy. But <laughs> um, I, you know, I came out here and I had a very humbling moment. I'll be mm. very honest about that. And I've been honest about this in my tours. If, you know, there's listeners that have taken my tour, but um, when I quit uh, the job in the city, you know, in the cubicle with the benefits and all of that, 
Um, number one, you don't go to nonprofit to get rich. You go to nonprofit because you 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 believe in the mission that they're working. Okay. Yes. So for, forget that you're going to be rich working at a nonprofit. Yeah. Um, but I came out here. And I'm not lying when I said I picked up manure. That was my job. My job was to clean up poop every day. Okay. And when you come from the city, right, you wear your high heels (laughs) and your suit to work, right? And you have to come out here. Um, I, I had a moment where I was like, Oh my God, I have a degree and I'm cleaning up poop. What am I doing with my life? Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, um, it was like, did I make a mistake? Did Mm. I, am I doing the right thing? And it took me like two seconds to stop feeling sorry for myself because as I did that, there was an animal that came up. Her name was Kiowa and she like, you know, put her nuzzle like right here and she was giving me kisses and i i think that she was saying to me like oh my gosh this place looks great you cleaned and you gave me fresh water and i have food thank you so much and for me that was the instant gratification that many look for so i saw that and i was like holy cow like that was so powerful and I never looked back. And in fact, now it's my favorite thing to clean paddocks. I'm always like, okay, I'll do it. I'll go over there. What do you need? I'll do that. Um, but it's it's letting go of all the things that you think that, that you your expectations, because yeah. when you go to a nonprofit, uh, no job is too big or too small. So I'm the executive director, but I clean the toilets here in the office. I'm the executive director, but I mop the floor. I clean the porta potties, you know, and I do all of that um, so that the rest of the staff doesn't have to, so that they can do their work so that they don't get overwhelmed. So I'm also that type of supervisor that I, and you'll ask them and they'll tell you, I've never asked them to do anything that I haven't done myself a thousand times or anything that i'm not willing to do with them like i don't say you go do that i'm like hey can you help me we gotta do this you know and i think that's very powerful um i don't i don't think there's many people like that my boss is like that and that's why i'm like this um i've learned from her from my mentor um but sorry i i I don't mean to get off topic it's i think you have to be realistic that you're leaving an industry to enter a, a whole new one. Yeah. And um, I have had employees that have done that. And I gave them a chance because somebody gave me a chance, right? Yeah. But um, but I have seen how difficult it can be if you don't prepare yourself by volunteering first. Get your hands you know, dirty and yeah. start cleaning up manure, you know? Go and clean the, the water tubs, you know? Get down to the hard work that um that's usually the most physical and 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 see if you can handle that you know we work in the heat all day every day if you come from an office environment you gotta get ready for that you know so volunteer um i think that's the biggest thing that i can tell somebody that wants to go from a for-profit to a non-profit sector take your time don't just quit and move on like take your time volunteer become an asset for the organization learn so much that they need you and then Mm. they'll give you a job you know um and i think that knowing that getting to where i am today is not 
it's not an easy um, journey. It's yeah. I, I don't ha- I don't have I don't have the answer for you to do it quick. I don't have steps where you do okay. I did ABC. Where's my success? Where where's my happiness? It's not like that. It, yeah. A lot of people ask me, "What'd you do? How'd you do it? Tell me. I want to do it." Yeah, you, you got to do the work. And yes, yeah. it's taken me eight years. Look at that eight years of yeah. hard work. It wasn't six months. It wasn't a year. It was eight years. And I'm still working as hard as I did the first day. So you gotta, you got to put in the work if you want to see the results. Absolutely. And we have to highlight, I love what you said about there's no job or task that either I haven't done or I'm not willing to do with you that I'm going to ask you to do. And I think um, you know, anyone that's in leadership, that's just such a great principle to understand, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, you don't graduate from having to do duties, right? Uh, you, you graduate in regards to, you know, how tough of a task it can be. And so you can empathize or sympathize with someone if they need to do it alongside of you, but you don't graduate. You're never too big uh, for a certain task. Yeah. So I love that. Definitely has helped in the uh, eight-year progression for you, by the way. So if you're taking notes, make sure you put that note down. You never graduate from certain tasks. So yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I I clean this office every week. I, I do the toilets. You know, I clean up poop outside, and you gotta love every part of it. I may not love every single job <laughs> that I have to have, and I can't wait to do it. I may it may not be like that, but I love the end result. Do I like mowing the pasture for four hours? Oh my gosh, no, I get so hot and it's awful. But do I love seeing the end result when the animals can go out there and they don't have all these big weeds that are getting their legs that yes, I love that part. I love opening the gate and seeing all the donkeys running to the pasture like Whoop! You know, I love that. And so I do everything in between to get there. I love it. Now, something else that you mentioned was just the, uh, we'll say, physical intimacy that uh, a donkey aspires for, right? And you've mentioned that uh, really you like to pair donkeys. So that way they always have somebody and gives them a sense of comfort. And once again, if something happens, then they still have somebody to be around. Um, But talk a little bit about just the donkey has an animal and it's uh you know, need desire for, you know, physicality uh, with people or with each other. So donkeys are actually very unique in the fact that they're uh, one of the only equines that picks a companion for themselves. And mm-hmm. they do that in captivity and they do that out in the wild as well. So we don't necessarily pair them because you yeah. can't do that. If they don't like each other. No you, arranged marriages uh, over there. Nope. We do speed dating. We do that. <laughs> so when we have an adopter that is looking for one companion, because let's say, you know, maybe the other one passed away and they have a single one that's very lonely. We bring the single one donkey over here. We put all of our single donkeys out there and they kind of mingle and they pick one and then they go home together. Uh, So that's our speed dating stuff. Um, But so donkeys are companion animals and it is in their nature to want to be with at least one other donkey. They make their choice and they actually stay with that bonded partner the rest of their lives. They do not separate until one of them passes away or until they have differences that they can't really you know come to term with and they do break up and they move on they find somebody else but most of the time once they find their companion they stay together and 
I have seen uh companion like Bora Bonds, that's what we call them, Bora Bonds, that have saved lives uh, in terms of each other. So donkeys uh, motivate one another when they're together. They play together. They practice sexual behavior. They eat together. They protect one another. They do everything together. And so, um, and they do bond up male, male, female, female, or male and female. Okay. It's just up to them. Again, we can, we do not have a choice in the matter. It's up to them. And so they always look for that bond. I have never met a donkey in the years that I've been here that is not interested in another donkey. Even donkeys that have been alone their entire lives. We rescued Mavis in 2021 and she had never seen a donkey since she was six months old when she was separated from her parents. And she arrived here at 20, 21 years old. And she gets here and we did the little like uh, all the senior donkeys out in the yard to say hi to her. And she arrives. She's like, no way. These are donkeys. (laughs) And she started running and playing. She was the happiest donkey I've ever seen. Uh, I have countless of stories like that. But I've never seen a donkey that says, donkeys, don't like them. Even donkeys that have been removed from their families and put with horses, which happens a lot. Um, You know, when the horse dies and people get rid of the donkey because they don't want it anymore, it arrives here and they're like, I'm a horse. I don't know what you are, but I'm a horse. And you give them plenty of time and they're like, these guys, you know, and before you know it, they're bonded up again. So Yes, they do have that need to be with each other and you cannot separate them. So once they're bonded, they do everything together. We take them to the weight room together so they get weighed together. I mean, at different times, but like together. When we train them, one of them has to be right next to them. And then we train one, then we train the other. If we were to separate them, take one donkey outside of the paddock and leave the other one in there, that other one would stress so much, they may actually injure themselves by Uh trying to jump over the fence or under whatever. They may actually injure themselves or the other donkeys because they don't want to be separate from their companion. When we take them to the vet to do a procedure, we take their companion with them because they provide each other emotional support. So that bond is so strong. And we respect it because donkeys can live up to 50, 55 years, which means that they will see several households throughout their time. Mm. One would love to think that donkeys can find forever homes, but the truth of the matter is life changes and people age and sometimes donkeys outlive the ability of their owners to take care of them. And while they're losing their homes and everything is changing, they can turn and see their companion. And if we can keep that constant in their life, we know they can get through anything together. And yeah. so that's why we keep them together. And we're the only rescue that respects that actually in the U.S. So um, that is absolutely 
a priority and necessity. They need each other. Um, no questions asked about that. In terms of humans, you know, we learned last year from all the research. I think the the New York Post uh, shared that article that donkeys have been domesticated for seven thousand years. Uh, we, you know, before that we were thinking five thousand, but now new studies show seven thousand, and so. It is part of their nature to want to be curious around humans, even wild donkeys that we have rescued that have never been around humans. They arrive here and they're like, who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, and so it takes a while. It takes yeah. a lot of training, but they're so curious and they just they want to be next to you. So once you show them that they can trust you, which takes time, but once you show them they don't want to go anywhere else. They just, they want to be right next to you. And I, you know, we walk out here and they start crying at seven in the morning. They hear you they're like, oh, please come over, say hi to me. Oh my gosh, I missed you all night. And it's all day like that. They just, they want that human attention. It's very important. So as you're talking about their relational dynamics and their partner that they choose, um, Inevitably, I, I would imagine that unfortunately donkeys pass and then that means that you're partnerless. Now, if only they could communicate directly, right, using human words and we could speak English back and forth and understand exactly what was going on. But have you had to go through the grieving process with a donkey and how long does that take for them to kind of get past that and then potentially find the new partner? Um, yes, I have been through the grieving process countless times, more times than I'd like. Um, it takes, um, sometimes it takes just a couple of days. Sometimes it takes three months. Mm. Uh, I have had to bring water and food to a donkey that was grieving because he did not want to, uh, eat or drink or play or walk around. They don't want to do anything. His name is Chip. He's still here. Uh, and, you know, they say you can bring the donkey or horse to the water, but you can't force him to drink it. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I forced him. <laughs> um, I would grab a syringe and just put drops of water inside of his mouth, like very gently, very slowly, you know, um, and, 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 and I just, I, you know, I think that saved him because uh, he was yeah. done. He was um, done. And when you see that loss, um, it's hard because you know that they're suffering so much. Uh, you know their nature. You know their their graceful nature and how calm they are and how happy and they come up to you. And when you don't see that, you know that they're suffering on the inside. And so, I mean, that's their way of communicating that to us. And we here try to do everything in our power to save them. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's up to them. I I watched Hattie and Gertie. That, this, that was when I first started here. But uh, there were there were lifelong companions and Gertie passed and Hattie didn't know how to live without her. And she died of a broken heart just months later. And how do they do that? They just, you know, they slow down. They stop eating because they don't have that motivation. Yeah. Uh, they don't play around anymore. They don't move around anymore. They don't have that exercise. And so less food, less water, less food, less water. And we do everything. We we keep doing everything in our power. But um you know, if they choose not to move forward anymore, there's nothing we can do about that. And we have to allow just, 
let them go, you know. Um, but I think it's really hard. I, I've seen plenty of them. And, and and then I've seen the good ones. I've seen the ones that their companion passes away and, you know, they grieve and they move on and they find somebody else and they can bond again and it's beautiful and they find another home and you get so happy for them. Um, I think the important thing to to notice here is how strong that bond is. Mm. And, and you have to take it seriously. You know, yeah. if one of them passes, you can't be like, oh, well, pff, he'll get over it. No, you have to be watchful because they may be trying to communicate something to you. And if you miss it, they're going to fall ill and possibly pass away. So um, if you take that bond seriously, then you'll respect it, you'll protect it, and and everything else falls um, kind of like perfectly after that. Yes. Now, I know you said you guys have about 55 donkeys that you, you take care of. Now, is there a huge shortage of different, you know, um, facilities or places that can take care of donkeys? Is there a lot of, uh, I know you said, hey, wild donkeys that need to kind of be rescued and brought in? Or do you feel like right now, United States speaking, that there is enough places that are kind of taking care of donkeys that uh, we don't have a issue or a shortage of being able to take care of um, those that need it? I think that's a great question. And, and my answer may not uh, encompass um, the amount of information that could be added on this <laughs> answer. But um, I do think we have a few donkey rescues in the U.S. that are doing great work. Um, there are more than, than us uh, that are legitimate, that do the work, uh, that get things done and protect animals. I think the I, I don't think that would be necessarily the problem that we're facing today in terms of the donkey crisis that's going on, which is worldwide. I think the problem that we're having right now is that uh, rescues that are doing good work are full. Mm. And I know I'm not just speaking for large animals. I know all those cat and dog rescues are so full. And so um, the problem that we have is that we cannot find suitable homes for these animals uh, at this time. And a lot of people that want to help donkeys are uh, falling victim to the scam that's going on with the with the kill buyers, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but the bail the bailout system. So. Uh animals go into the auction system, you know, you can pay for them to bail them out. If you don't bail them out, they go to slaughter. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so kind hearted people like you and I um, are trying to help these animals by buying them off of auction so that they don't go into the slaughter market. Yeah. Unfortunately, those prices are extortion prices because yeah. they're paying thousands of dollars for an animal that they don't know anything about that may have never had any medical care or anything like that. And so people are getting their animals there instead of going to a legitimate rescue that has done all of that medical work to vet the animal. Okay? Yeah. And so when they give their money to the auction, uh, those people that do that, they're called, you know, kill buyers. They turn around, go get more animals and do the whole thing again. Mm. So, um, that that is the the plight of donkeys today you know uh there are plenty of them out there there are so many but like us we are just full and we cannot take in more animals unless we can find suitable homes 
to place these donkeys, you know, and we understand that after the pandemic, it's been very difficult and, and a lot of folks lost their employment and, and people are still trying to get things together. So I don't know how, how much longer this is going to go for. Understood. Now your social media has grown and I don't know what it looked like day one when you started versus now, but I know now uh, you have quite the reach. And so talk a little bit about <laughs> what stemmed from that. I mean, uh, you know, and you can use your handle on here. Uh, it's clearly uh, <laughs> very expressive towards the donkey. So talk about it. Uh, for the love of ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's my handle. So it's not me. There's nothing special about me. It's all them. It's it's all credit goes to them. Because I used to have a personal Instagram, you know, before all of this. And I, I had two other friends and that's about yeah. it, you know, and it was normal. And um, I realized the impact that uh, social media had even like through like possibly through the pandemic when folks were were not able to have face to face interactions with people or like in person sorry in person interactions mm-hmm. and um before that I was too busy for social media after that I was too busy for social media but I said you know since people can't come out here we have to take donkeys to people yeah. So I deleted my old account and I opened a new one. And I said, you know what, Victoria, you live here. This is your life. You might as well. This is it. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't have anything else that's like personal, like it's all donkey related. So I said, well, I'm going to um, I'm going to start. And actually, for the love of ass is something that I thought about a long time ago, uh, yeah. like probably as a volunteer. And I didn't use it because I was afraid that they were going to like fire me as a volunteer (laughs) because, you know, that's a bad word. And how could you do that? Whatever. And so during the pandemic, I kind of felt, you know, I've been here a while. You know, I hope that I don't get in trouble for this. And um, and I said, I'm just going to do it. And I did for the love of ass. And I people just loved it. Like it, they, you know, they saw the donkeys and they were like, this is hysterical. Like, this is just great. And I got such a good response, especially during the pandemic, because Again, you can ask some of my followers. I I would do video calls with them. Anybody, and you didn't have to be in. You could just send me a message and say, "Victoria, I'm having an awful day. Can I look at a donkey?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And I would just call. <laughs> and I talked to everybody, anybody. Um, I reply to every single message that I get, uh, which is hundreds and and thousands and again my followers know that I reply to every single one even if sometimes I'm short and it's just a smiley face I reply to everybody and I say thank you so much because it's thanks to them that the page is what it is it's not it's them interacting and doing that and so that is so important you know if if you have a bunch of followers and you're just like oh well i'm just too busy yeah i am really busy trust me but i don't care if i have to wake up at three in the morning and say thank you i do that is very important to me um it's thanks to them that that you know long hopes is where it's at today so i thank them every day well victoria i want to say thank you for uh giving us some of your time sharing your story and just where you're at today and i'm excited to continue to watch your journey and all the amazing things that you guys are doing uh you know at long hopes and 
who knows after you finish up this next degree or, you know, what, what it'll grow into even more, but just excited to watch your journey. And I think uh, there's a lot of great takeaways today from following your passion, talking about leadership um, and just want the donkeys. I mean, and the donkeys. So thank you again so much for sharing your story. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for your very thoughtful questions. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the future too, for long hopes and, and for my career as well. So thank you.